This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello there. Welcome to episode 28 of the Broadcast Church Planting podcast. Today we're bringing you a hangout from September of 2015 with Phil Whittle, who leads Grace Church in Stockholm in Sweden. Phil will be talking on the subject of discipleship. It's all about people. You can find this full hangout with Phil, including a Q&A and the notes on everything that he had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 28. So here is Phil Whittle. Um, so Grace Church in Stockholm, um, we're, our strategy very quickly is to build a network of missional communities or house churches, small groups, depending on what you like. Uh, we're currently meeting together. Uh, we've got three groups about to start a fourth. Uh, we meet together for once for kind of corporate worship once every five weeks or so. Um, and uh, just getting gathering people through personal invitation. Um, and we're a very multicultural bunch, uh, lots of different languages, lots of different nations, um, lots of surprises uh, that have been involved in church planting in Stockholm. Very, very different to a working class estate in the West Midlands in Shrewsbury. Um, and uh, yeah, if you, if, if uh, for whatever reason you'd like to know a little bit more about how what I'm talking about this evening applies to how it actually looks in uh, what we do here in Grace Church, then please just ask a question. Um, so the topic we've given for this evening is um, discipleship in church planting. And uh, discipleship would seem obvious, I guess, um, but sometimes I think it can be missed. Um, as church planters, we can be interested and involved and engaged in lots of things. Um, for example, we can be uh, interested in gathering a crowd, stewarding momentum, launching new initiatives, finding new venues, preparing content. Um, and sometimes it, we can forget or lose sight of that basically it's all about people. Um, uh, Mike Breen said, if you go for church, you may or may not get disciples. So what he means by that, if you go for a gathering, if that's what your aim is, and you just want to get people in a room for a worship service, you may or you may not get disciples as a result. But if you go for disciples, you'll always get the church. So the challenge behind this kind of thinking is, is, is basically it's a reaction against uh, the notion that, that people will just rock up to church on Sunday uh, for an hour or two uh, once a week. They may or may not, depending on their work context or their life context, show up to something midweek. And that is about it as far as their engagement with church or the following of Christ goes is just kind of, it's a consumer mindset. So the idea is, is that is a renewed focus on discipleship is challenging this kind of consumer approach that we've got where we go to church and we just we're just there to just kind of soak it up for a couple of hours we hope that that'll be enough to get us through to next sunday and keep the faith alive um and it's kind of trying to challenge that um kind of thinking so of course you know jesus he was calling people to pick up a cross count a cost leave things behind um 
in terms of the mentality, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world and it wasn't a come, you know, let's open up the church and see how many people we can get to come to us. It was a, a kind of a, a, the opposite way around. Um, so I think in recent years, there's been something of a renewed focus on discipleship. What do we mean? Um, so authors and leaders like Alan Hirsch, Mike Frost, Mike Breen, Jeff Van der Stel, Francis Chan, uh, and even from a different side of things, people in like the Gospel Coalition, John Piper, Mark Deaver, Tim Keller, they're all calling Christians a far more robust view of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and, and I think that personally it was something that I really felt the weight of when we shift, when we kind of handed over leadership of Hope Church in Shrewsbury after about 10 years and we were, uh, we, we moved to Sweden and I kind of had, we had a bit of a timeout while we were uh, researching where we're going to live in Stockholm and just kind of getting our kind of feel for the country and a few administrative things in order. And it gave me lots of time to reflect on uh, what had gone before. And I really had the question, I looked back and thought, you know, lots of good things, lots of good things have happened, but, but really how many disciples have been made? Um, how many disciples were there? I mean, I love, I love the guys, I love the people and some of them genuine, you know, they, they are disciples. They're, but there's also a lot of things that go, I just really wonder whether we really, how well I'd managed to encourage people um, to really follow Jesus and to take discipleship seriously. And it's quite sobering, really, because you think, my goodness, I spent 10 years of my life working really hard and lots of good things, but maybe I'm not actually been putting the effort into the one thing that Jesus really called his followers to do, which was to go and make disciples. Um, so, so it was a sobering kind of uh, reality check for me. Um, really made me think about um, what my approach was, uh, learn some lessons, try and do things a little bit differently, coming into planting Grace Church in Stockholm, um, and try to have a sharper focus about what I thought discipleship was really all about. So here are a few couple of basic assumptions um, that uh, Matthew twenty-eight twenty, when Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, that that is still the call of Christ to his people. That that is still basically what it is all about. That that if as church planters we are not doing that, then we are not doing the right thing. Um, so Jesus' command to the Great Commission is still that's that is still it. Um, a basic definition of church, uh, a friend of um, mine sort of put, put it up on uh, on their Instagram for Cambridge City Church, and they said it's simple. The plural of disciple is church. Um, and uh, I really liked uh, that. The, the plural of disciple is church. Um, and that's a <clears throat> church is the collective name given to a group of disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we know that Jesus didn't die for a charity. He didn't die for an organization. He, he didn't uh, die for uh, some uh, collective. He died for the sake of people, uh, that they may become a part of his church. The church is the bride of Christ. No people, no church. Um, but that isn't often how we work. Um, often church, we can be focused on a whole lot of other things, which become is like scaffolding. Um, it's a scaffolding around uh, a building, but actually when we take the scaffolding, if that's all we've been focusing on is the scaffolding, then when we take away, actually there's no building there. Um, and that, of course, is a very redundant um, uh, job. And I definitely would have done that myself. I spent a lot of time working on scaffolding, 
but getting to have worked on the house. Um, and, you know, the church is a house of God, the place where his spirit dwells. Um, so the, the functional primary purpose that as a leader, as a church planter is, is that I am here to equip people in their works of service. Um, I'm here to reach people and to equip those that have gathered around, uh, gathered around us, gathered around the vision that God has given us, is to equip them to reach people. Um, and I'm sure we would all agree, or you may have heard um, this plenty of times, certainly um, I had it in sort of new churches for, for a long time, that we, we, would, we would sort of regularly kind of, uh, you know, look across to the state churches in Sweden, the Lutheran Church in England, the Church of England, and we'd go, you know, look at them with their buildings, you know, the people think the church is the building. We would go, no, we, we know that. We know better than that. The church is not the building. However, I think um, a lot of times in new churches, what we haven't really realized is the church is also not the meeting. Um, and uh, the meeting is just the time when the church gathers. The church is the people. So the basic idea I'm working on is, is that if believers in our church are committed to growing in faith in Christ, submitting their lives to his lordship and living by faith, then kingdom growth will happen. And they will step into the places that God is leading them. And the job of the leadership is to step in behind the work of the people, behind the things that they're doing, providing them with the support, the equipping, the backup, the encouragement, the coaching that they may need, and not necessarily to try and get out in front of them. It is to encourage them to wherever they are, so in the workplace, in the home, uh, in their leisure activities, in their neighborhoods, they are working out what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So <clears throat> this leads kind of the first question, I guess the first conviction that as church planters we need to think about is what do you mean by disciple? What is your definition of a disciple? And if you don't, if you're not clear in your head, if I, if I, if just right now you just took a moment to think, what is a disciple? And if you can't give a clear answer, then the chances of you actually making a clear, you know, helping people become disciples, you're always going to, you're always going to struggle because you yourself are not clear about it. Now, I guess uh, lots of church plants have some kind of vision statement. We certainly do. Vision statement came quite sort of early on, um, trying to attract people to uh, what we were about. But actually, we also need a really a discipleship statement. We need to know what it is we mean by disciples, because if that's what it's all about and we don't know what that is, then uh, clearly uh, we've got ourselves um, a problem. So the definition that we work with, we just borrowed it um, uh, off uh, uh, a guy called Jeff van der Stel. Um, he works on this. Is a disciple is someone who increasingly submits all of life to the Lordship of Christ. So a disciple is someone who increasingly submits all of life to the Lordship of Christ. Obviously, that there's a there's a beginning process where you're discovering who Jesus is, when you you're, you're dealing with issues of uh, initial repentance and faith in Christ. <clears throat> but repentance and faith in Christ are not are not just simply things that we do at the start of our journey. They're, they're things that are they're ongoing marks of discipleship. And so I, I like this definition because um, it shows that how we follow Christ has really got big implications for our work our marriages, our families, how, we, how I raise my kids, how I interact with my neighbors, how I use my home, uh, our money, our friendships, all of life, my whole life. Um, we believe that we are bought people. 
uh, we belong wholly to Christ and that God has always wanted to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Um, so that, that in that case, that, that one that is for, for Christ to fill my whole life, that the Spirit would infuse everything that I do. Um, and I like it because also this definition can apply equally whether you are a stay-at-home parent or you are the chief executive of uh, a major business or you're working in government or you're a student, the, the challenge to submit all of life to the Lordship of Christ equally applies. Um, and there's no, uh, from children all the way to great-grandparents, the, that applies. Um, and so I think that that's a good, good definition. It doesn't deal on learning. It deals on obedience. Um, doesn't deal on education or status. Again, it just did, it deals on faith, faith and obedience. Um, so when we become Christians, um, you know, we, we know this. Jesus is not an add-on. Um, there's no area of our life that's reserved off to the side. Jesus fills it all in all. And and, uh, and so the challenge to you, which I guess I would encourage you to, to really think about with your your teams and those you're involved is, is what do we mean when we say we want to make disciples? Um, and uh, could we clearly answer that? Could we clearly not, and just importantly, not only could you answer it, but if you were to ask someone maybe who's with you in your team or in your church plant and you ask them, what is a disciple? Would they give you the same answer that you have? How well do they, how well is that kind of key question collectively answered um for us i would say it's definitely a work in progress um i mean it always is every time you add in new people you particularly if they've come from a, a another church background then there's a there's a constant process uh, of, of that um and i think that's as it should be um but it's something that we want to keep I, I want to keep in mind I, I i want to kind of you know uh regularly kind of i'm i'm, I'm as i'm talking in conversation with people I'm looking to see whether we have a similar idea of not just the big, exciting, shiny things of, of church planting in cities, uh, towns and cities, but, but what do we mean in the nitty gritty of our life and discipleship? Are we on the same page there? So that kind of leads me is first answer that question. What do we mean by discipleship? And, and secondly, that, the way that shaped it for me was, is that um, clearly discipleship needs to be prioritized. If this is the command of Jesus to um, uh, to go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations, um, then discipleship needs to be a priority. And how I think about it, um, it doesn't just happen. People don't just, you know, you know, just kind of suddenly they go from nothing to discipleship. It actually, just like a lot of other things, um, it takes takes a lot of um, much more intentional effort than you would think. One can be a believer in Christ without particularly doing anything, but a disciple of Christ is not, is not the same. Um, so in the context of your mission, how do you make disciples? How do you encourage discipleship? And how do you sustain discipleship? Um, and so when disciple-making becomes the focus, it begins to pretty much shape everything else. It's a really fundamental question. Um, so I would say for us, how we've thought and continuing to think is an ongoing thing um, is about disciples is shaping pretty much everything that we do. It's shaping how we meet. It's shaping and informing where we meet. It's in shaping how we're trying to organize ourselves, how we're trying to communicate with people. 
um, recognizing that there's a bunch of things we've communicated maybe on a website or, uh, I mean, and actually not really hitting where we want to, we want to go in terms of, um, discipleship and communicating that this is a primary, primary thing for us. Um, so as a church plant, there is always lots of possibilities. I mean, um, certainly as you're gathering initial people, maybe not just your, your initial team who might have very come from a, a very similar kind of place, but when you start getting those first um, kind of exiting in on you and joining you, that everyone's got their own idea about how church should be done. Everyone comes with something often, um, particularly if they come from another church or a Christian background. And um, I think we use the question of how would this X, Y, or Z help us in our disciple making as a filter to work out whether this is, this is something is a direction we should go in or not. And it, and it helps us push that back onto people going, you know what, that's a really great idea, but I don't really see how right now that's going to help us become uh, disciples or it's a good thing to do, but, you know, so and they would then pro and say, well, what do you think? You know, you can ask that question, turn it around and go, how do you think that will help us become um, disciples or, or make more disciples of Jesus? And they go, they go, I can see it this way. Then you go, okay, let's, let's talk about it some more. Or they might go, actually, I just, I, I don't think it does. Um, so, so those are things, those are kind of ground level stuff. We've got to know what is a disciple and then we have to prioritize discipleship. And we have to prioritize thinking about it um, and thinking about how we're going to do it and what works in our context, um, what works amongst our people. Um, what, you know, you have to do that whole work. What kind of, what kind of cultures have we got in our place? What, how do people think about how men and women are together? Um, what, what, what works in the city or the place, the location? Maybe there are some cultural things which shape and inform how you might do that. And they will need to be taken into account. Um, the two kind of areas I want to kind of look at is the two, there's two kind of, I guess, general aspects to disciple making. One is formal and one is informal. And uh, the formal side is stuff you could put in a course, um, stuff that I could teach, uh, you know, right now on a, on a, on a, in, you know, broadcast, you could put it in a sermon series. And, it, and the formal training would, would answer questions like, what are people? What does a disciple need to know? What are the essential doctrines of faith that someone who wants to be a disciple of Jesus needs to know? Um, what does uh, a disciple need to believe? What are the essential things they need to believe? And that would be truths like about self-identity and behaviour, believing that I am no longer this but this. Uh, no longer under law but under grace it's a doctrine but it's also I believe something as I believe it it shapes who I am and what I do um, and and then what should you do you, you teach people so a new disciple comes to you and goes so so I'm a disciple of Jesus what should I do what are the sorts of practices rhythms behaviors that belong to uh, a disciple of Jesus and you have to have some idea of how you would answer that question. What, what does a disciple of Jesus do? Um, so, and those are things you can teach. You can put it in a course. You could, um, uh, what actions and practices. And, and I think there is, you can come up with a fairly 
broad list. And I think those are the sorts of questions that, that really are worthwhile. I could, I can certainly, if you're interested, tell you what sort of things we do. Um, but actually, it's much more important for you, I think, each, for these kind of questions for you to really think about for yourself and go, okay, for us, a common practice of discipleship would be this, and it would be this. Um, and then because then you, you start to have kind of cohesiveness around and coherence amongst the, all of your team um, and all of the subsequent members that, that join you about this is what it means. We live, this is the kind of life and the kind of things that we do that helps us just sustain and, and grow and reach out to people. Um, so, so the formal side of things is, is actually much easier to address. Um, but I think it's less important um, for a church, the church plant, than the informal side of things, which is actually its culture. It's the culture of discipleship making and disciple making and discipleship that you have. The reason is that you can always introduce a new teaching series. And in one sense, the things that you think about on discipleship, you, you kind of press the repeat button. You know, it's like a playlist and you just have it on, on, on loop. Um, every time new people kind of come in, you start going through the, this is what you need to know, this is what we need to believe, and this is what we should do. Um, and you just do it over and over and over again. Um, and encouraging other people to say this, you know, to be teaching other people. Um, but you can, you can introduce that and it, and it goes on repeat. But the culture that you set as a church plant and the culture that we kind of create, actually that's much, much harder to change. Once it's set, once the behaviors and the practices of a group uh, generally kind of begin to slot in place, it's much, much harder work to change that, particularly if you start getting some momentum as a, as a numbers maybe grow and numbers gather. Um, then to try and if you've missed something, and you're trying to change or you're trying to reintroduce or reemphasize something that can be hard work. So <clears throat> the things like um, the going to kind of the environment and the culture making the informal things is so for us in Grace Church, we've really taken the phrase that used to just that New Frontiers. used to use a lot which was a family together on a mission that would just describe the whole network of churches that we are a family together on a mission and we've just said that's what we want to be as a church um uh that's what describes what we want to do so the culture we've tried to have two kind of key elements of our culture that we are a family together um where the uh, we love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, teach one another. All the one another's that are so important to community and New Testament church life are commonplace because we've created a culture of family. And so hopefully when new people join this, uh, new people are being invited along, one of, the few, one of the things they would immediately begin to sense and to pick up is here is a family. Here is a family that is... Uh, that really loves one another, you know, they have their, their different characters, their different things they're working out, but this is a family. And the second kind of cultural element is, is a constant is, is mission. And we try and create that culture through every time we pray, 
together, every time we worship together, every time we study the Bible together, we're constantly asking the question, how do how are we reaching out to our friends and our neighbors? How does this help us connect with our neighborhood? What are the issues here that we can see that that really uh, would speak to us about what's happening around us in our lives and what God is speaking through the Word of God, connecting us to people who do not yet know Jesus. So there's a mission kind of approach to everything. Um, and so that that we're, we're trying to work, infuses everything we do. Family, trying to keep it from being intense. You know, I think if it's just mission, um, it, it, can, it can very easily become driven uh, particularly if you're in Europe, particularly if you're in secular contexts or, or places where you just look around and just you just you know Stockholm one between one and maybe two percent at tops of, of churchgoers um, on a regular basis. So that means 98 percent of a city of two million two million plus have got no living connection with the church or no or Jesus Christ. Um, it's massive. So if you just mission focus, if you just focus on those numbers, you'll very easily get driven, um, and I think you'll 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 burn people out. Um, however, if you've got family, if you've got that kind of sense of relationship, and you've got that culture of um, we are on this journey together, then we sustain ourselves in mission, and I think we sustain each other and encourage each other um, and struggle. And you know, just last Sunday we were sharing, and one of the women in our group just said. You know what? I've tried. I've just really struggled. I just, you know, I've tried inviting people along, but they've just not shown up. Feel a bit discouraged. But there it was. We were just talking about it, and so we were able to gather around and pray for her, and uh, you know, encourage her not to, to, you know, not to get, not to get um, disappointed, um, but to keep praying for her friends. And you know, that's 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 just the sort of stuff, the sort of kind of conversations that you just want to have regularly. Um, and you want to know that if you're not in a room, that those kind of conversations are happening on a regular basis because it's part of it's just part of what you do. It's part of who you are. Um, so, um, and I guess it's very important to assume to not assume that uh, the people coming from other churches would 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 have any of this. Don't make any assumptions. Um, certainly, our experience has been as as we've experienced a new culture. And Christianity inside a new country and a new culture, and really done a lot of listening. Is there's you just cannot make assumptions that that people will know even basic things you take for granted. Um, and it's definitely worth um, having you know saying I, I'm not assuming anything about what you believe and what you know and what you think about Christianity. Um, so we have uh, we've got five minutes left. Um, I think before we we head into some questions. Um, we have five basic practices that we want all our groups to regularly practice, um, all drawn from, uh, well, you know, Acts 2, 42 um, to 47. So we want all of our groups to be having fellowship, making time together, meals, hang out, be friends, really get to know one another, um, do that informally, plan it, but also have it spontaneous. Fellowship is so important. Um, we, when people are eating together, um, we're working on it. I don't think we do very well on this, but we're, we're constantly trying to encourage and remind each other to be breaking bread, reminding that, that actually Christ is what forms this community, that, um, above everything else, that we are a Christian community, 
um, that, 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 that we're joined together through faith in Christ and what he's done for us. Um, to pray, um, to pray for each other, pray for the city, to uh, really include worship in that, but certainly prayer, um, uh, that we want every group to study the Bible together, read it together, ask questions of it, study it, seek it, uh, ask basic questions, what is God saying to, to us or me through this, and what am I going to do about it? Always trying to have an application to it. Um, you know, there's constant, you know, constant kind of struggle. People are just interested in the question, but not interested in the application. Um, and they're saying, okay, yeah, that's very interesting, but how does that help us? How does that change us? How does that shape us? What are we going to do about this truth? If truth isn't working deep, seeping into our lives and shaping how we think and how we live, then then it's, it's just information. Um, uh, and then, of course, you know, the last one is to be sharing God's love with those around us. How are we doing that? How are we, uh, um, yeah, what opportunities have we had to pray with people, to encourage people, to get involved in the issues of their lives, the needs of their uh, their families or whatever it might be. Um, uh, and I think that, very, so the last thing, those are sort of practices we want every group to practice. Um, and we want to make sure that, and this is really crucial, is that our concept of discipleship involves disciple making. I think very often it's been the case that discipleship, and certainly we will have people come in who've said, you know, I really just need to study the Bible. Um, and uh, I know I really, you know, evangelism and mission, that should really wait until I know more. Uh, and we just have to kind of absolutely nail that one right from the start that, that actually to be a disciple means right from the start embracing what Jesus says to go out and make disciples. Uh, even if we do not know everything, we can we share our stories, what God has done in our lives, how we can pray for people, we can acts of kindness, whatever it is. Um, so while we would work on you know, encouraging people to, you know, after you know discipleship mode process might focus on, you know, reading the Bible, getting the prayer, spiritual life of the of a believer kind of into some kind of order, beginning to help them with their money and giving or serving on a team, going on a course, getting involved in read this book. You know, I'm a, you you can see all the books behind me. I'm an absolute shocker. And someone wants to know something, I I just give them a book. Um, uh, Well, actually, you know, there is a uh, much more fundamental lesson of relying on God and going, okay, what is God saying to you about this and how are we going to, you know, how, what are you going to do about it, and how can I help you? How can I how can I stand with you when you do that? Um, what, what's the risk? What's the fear? And how can I encourage you? Um, and uh, so, discipleship, being a disciple of Christ, is fundamentally a missional thing. Um, it includes from the start that we are outward looking, um, that it puts us in a in a position and an attitude and a stance of. I'm always thinking about people, the people around me. Um, I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of li- listening to the spirit and I'm looking with my eyes around what's happening in my neighborhood and going, God, are you saying something here to me? Um, uh, you know, how can I use whatever is happening, what's going on, the, the conversations that are happening in the workplace, the, the people I'm noticing regularly as I go to my coffee shop or wherever, how can I, how can I bring the love of Christ to them? Um, so, so whatever this definition that you come up with at the start, if it doesn't also include 
that disciple making disciples, then then you probably, I would I would argue, is missing missing something. Uh, I'll just give you um, just as we finish. I'll just give you an example of something that was um, happening recently. Just an example of how we're trying to create a disciple making culture, even with those that don't um, know Jesus. So. Uh, a couple joined us right from the start a few years ago called Kate and Simon. Kate is um, uh, Scottish and her husband Simon is Swedish. And uh, over the first couple of years, they were just with us in our group and coming to our home um, and praying with us. And uh, we would talk and they've, they've rethought church and rethought discipleship and really begun, you know, really gone through a process of thinking about what it means to uh, live on mission and uh, they've then now begun to open their home to their friends and their neighborhood, and God's put that on their heart. And uh, just last week, I joined them for a discussion group that they've got with a group of um, friends. And here's the group. Um, Natasha used to work with uh, Kate, and she's from Canada. Uh, she describes herself as a Buddhist. Natasha invited her sister, who Skyped in from Ottawa, Canada, Um, Natasha also invited her friend Gabriella, who Skyped in from Miami. Uh, Natasha also invited, remember, Natasha is a Buddhist. She's not a Christian, and she's invited someone from Canada and someone from Miami. And she's also invited a a French Muslim woman uh, called Catherine, who's uh, moved here from Toulouse, told her and her husband, do you want to come to a a meeting about Jesus? Which, as Muslims, she's like, what? But, But she came. Um, so she is this um, uh, this lady Natasha has really got our got what we're about that we want to invite people that we want to draw people and is, and, and herself has invited f- at least four people. Uh, there was Chang and his younger brother Yoon Ho from South, South Korea who were former students of Kate and Natasha. There was Tim who's from England and was uh, formerly part of uh, the Mooney cult or sect Church of the Unification from South Korea. Um, he works with Kate. There was Hermina from Holland, who's a neighbor of Kate, um, who's from a Dutch reformed background, um, but which kind of put her off. And now she's finding trying to seek her way back to relationship with Jesus. Um, her secular Swedish husband doesn't come, but every week they go home and discuss everything. Um, so he is being evangelized by someone who's coming to the group. And there was Sam from Ghana, who's a musician. Um, and so you've just got this interest, and all of them are coming in going, you know, I really like what's going on here. Here is family. Here is welcoming. And I'm wanting myself to already, even before they are Christians or committed to following Christ, wanting to draw others in. They're all involved in in who can I invite um, and who can I draw in. And so that was really exciting to me. Um, It just sort of said that, you know, here's one group that, that, that looks like it would reproduce Disciples making disciples who know to make who know how to make disciples, uh, and I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking for multiplication and reproducing disciples from one generation to the next, so that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, we hope you took lots away from what Phil had to say. Just to remind you, you can get all of the notes plus a Q&A with Phil at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 28. 
And if you go to thebroadcastnetwork.org, you can find a full archive of hangouts, articles, other church planting resources. Plus, you can sign up for updates about whenever our hangouts are going to happen. We'll let you know so you can be the first in the queue to join them.